This podcast is an audio recording of a live event. It may reference visual material that cannot be represented in this recording. It may also contain strong language and adult themes. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ACME. Hello, gang. I'm Darcy Prendergast, and of course, I'm here with the amazing Warren Fu, who has just freshly landed um, from Los Angeles. So, um, welcome, Warren. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know, Warren has directed music videos for the likes of Daft Punk, Snoop Dogg, Pharrell, Brandon Flowers, Phoenix, Mark Ronson, Depeche Mode, Haim, The Killers, The Strokes, The Growlers, The Kooks, The Darkness, and lastly, The Weezer. Um, pretty damn extensive list. And I was recently at South by Southwest and I waited three hours in line for Weezer and I didn't get let in. Like I was like 10 people away from, from the cutoff. Oh no. And, and you got to see them from all of 10 meters away. Like yeah. less. And you get to direct a clip for them. So it if anyone's wondering, wondering who's like cooler out of Warren and I tonight, like it's definitely Warren. Okay. Um, I guess I want to take things back to the start a little and, and just give everyone a little bit of context about where you came from and, and what, what you come from and, mm. and what inspired you as a kid and, and were you always artistically inclined? Yeah, I guess uh, the first memories I had of, uh, of doing any kind of art was just drawing Snoopy and Spider-Man, <laughs> um, uh, you know, with my mom. Yep. And um, I guess uh, after that... Uh, in elementary school, I was, you know, just, I got into oil painting. Um, my mother signed me up for some oil painting classes. And um, and then it sort of hit a point. And then in high school, I got into graffiti art. And uh, before that, it was a lot of uh, just sort of copying, you know, illustrations. I thought, like, a good artist was somebody that could just yep. copy something realistically. Yep. Yep. And then I, I think graffiti art was that turning point for me where just kind of this explosion of like anything goes and creativity and this kind of friendly competition with friends. Um, <clears throat> and so that was, those was my high school years. And then in college, uh, I had some folks that weren't, uh, super pushing me into the art world. Cause it's funny. Cause your mom, your mom paid for oil painting classes. Yeah. Yet, yet yeah. she wanted you to do they were economics. Like, you know, they were really supportive of the art until I started to like think take about it seriously. Take it seriously. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, slow down a little bit. You're yeah. not going to be an artist. Yeah. So um, uh, there was a certain point where uh, uh, I wanted, I kind of wanted to go to art school, but I really wasn't sure what I would do with art. Mm. So I went to Berkeley, and I thought maybe I'll do marketing for for business and. Um, I didn't get into the business program there. Mm -hmm. And so I was left with all these prerequisites for nothing but business. And the only other thing I could be was an econ major. Yep. So I was an economics major and it was the most grueling <laughs> four years of my life because my brain just does not process that type of information well. Yeah. And you stuck that, you saw that through? Yeah. So I, I still, it's funny, to this day, I still have nightmares about not finishing a math or an accounting class. <laughs> And in my dream, I show up to the final and, and I'm debating whether to pull the fire alarm to like <laughs> get out of the test. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I managed to get through it. And um, a lot of uh, my peers were applying for jobs at stock brokerages and, yep. uh, and uh, consulting. And I was just wandering around campus, grabbing applications, not sure what I was going to do. And then luckily I ran into a a childhood friend that also went to Berkeley and mm -hmm. I'd known her since fifth grade. And, uh, she came up to me and she said, 
she's like, what's wrong? I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And she's like, well, I've known you since fifth grade and you're an artist and you really should be doing that. Yep. And uh, she pointed me to a <clears throat> uh, internship application that she saw at the Career Center for Lucasfilm. And uh, she said, you should go try to apply for that. Mm. And sure enough, I got it. The deadline had already passed. Yep. Um, but I had a friend that worked at a record label mm -hmm. with a mail machine that you could backdate the date. <laughs> so we snuck wow. into his record label. <laughs> Put, I put all this artwork and oil paintings and graffiti. I, was, I wasn't sure about the graffiti art stuff, mm -hmm. but I decided to stick it in anyway and yeah. um, backdated the, the, the <laughs> machine and sent it through, and I, I got into the internship. And the, uh, the art director on the first prequel, Star Wars, yep. um, liked my work, and he said, yeah, you're... Oil paintings were nice and everything, but they were just copying stuff. But I really saw your creativity in the graffiti art. So ah. you're, I'm glad you put that so stuff that inclusion in. was welcome. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it was actually welcomed. And um, yeah, and then, so that was, uh, that was my first foray into the art world as a career. Yep. And um, after that, it, it was just, um, that was sort of film school for me. Like Lucasfilm was like the best paid film school yeah. I could I could possibly ask for. There was, I was there at a time when it was still uh, very analog, mixing yeah. with the digital stuff. So yeah. there were still all the original Star Wars model builders and, and cameramen were still there and they were building miniatures. So I got to be on the sets with them shooting the miniatures and I got a little bit of storyboarding experience, uh, experience in there. There was a graphic design department that I became friends with some of the graphic designers there and kind of picked up a little bit of that. So it was just a lot of kind of absorbing as much as I could yeah, yeah. in that world. So you actually, like, you you designed General Grievous. Yeah. You single-handedly redeemed that <laughs> film. I mean, how does that feel? Well, yeah, I, 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 I guess it didn't really exactly turn out how I imagined. I think that's one of the reasons I, I wanted to get into directing, too, because I felt like um, there was a certain thing where I was creating certain things and I had certain things in mind not just in the visual side of it but how things performed mm -hmm. and when I was doing conceptual art a lot of times things would kind of you know take on a different life of their own yep. and so uh, there's a point where I was like instead of working on these big you know doing a small part for these big blockbusters I'd rather uh, tr take try uh, try to like uh, do smaller projects where I have full kind of creative control. Over. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but how, how did this kind of come about? I mean, you were sort of floating around a few departments. How did you sort of find yourself designing one of the main characters in the film? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was it was it was sort of a. Uh, uh, so I was at Industrial Light and Magic, which mm. is the special effects division of uh, Lucasfilm, Lucasfilm, and. They would basically, whenever a Star Wars movie came around, they would say, okay, they're accepting applications now. Uh -huh. So it was like uh, all of the artists there would sort of put together portfolios and hope to be chosen by George and the team. Yep. And so, um, yeah, I put together some stuff and uh, we were able to, uh, uh, I was able to make it into the to the ranch. And so... Uh, yeah, the, the actual job designing for Star Wars was at his infamous kind of Skywalker Ranch, and we were upstairs in the attic 
Um, he, uh, George's office is on the second floor, <coughs> and um, all the uh, concept artists were uh, in the attic. Yep. And every Friday, he would uh, uh, write a little bit of the script and then come up and look at the artwork and then uh, write a little bit more of the script and be inspired. So there's a lot yeah, of back okay. and forth with how he... He's a very visual director, yeah, obviously, yeah, and yeah. so he would be inspired by the drawings, and he would Work give us a in. little chunk. And so for this this particular character, he was he just came up one day to the to our Friday meeting, and he said, "We need a bad guy." Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what he is, or or if it's a human or an alien. It could be anything, a robot. Right. So a really um, open brief. Then he is a really open brief. He's like, I just want people to see that character right away and know that, wow, that's the bad guy. Yeah. So um, that's the, the, the great thing about the Star Wars films is that they've a lot of the designers have been able to create stuff that's really iconic mm. and that reads right away. Yeah. Um, especially if you look at the designs of like all the spaceships from the first one and robots, R2-D2, yeah. C-3PO, all of that stuff a lot of registers, peop, registers in your brain right away. If you see a silhouette, you could see a kid wearing a... Yeah. A, a design of a spaceship and you already know what that is because yep. everything's so pure and iconic. Mm. And I, that's one of the main things I, I learned from watching George was, was he was very much about the instant emotional impact of things. Yeah. And so basically a lot of, a lot of the way that a lot of us concept artists work was we, we do what are called thumbnail drawings is, mm-hmm. is we get a sheet of paper and we doodle, as small as we can. It's not about detail. It's mm. just about a little silhouette of something. And yep. then right away, you kind of look at your, your, your spread of, of little icons and mm. you circle the one that you think is going to be the one. Sort of, everything's sort of a subconscious thing. With, um, with that particular character, I think I drew what was scary to me. And then later on, I sort of analyzed it. And, and I realized, like, okay, it's... I have sort of a fear of of masks and and not being able to to know what register emotion. Yeah, yeah, I think that's scarier to me than yeah. like a monster with fangs. Yeah, if somebody's really still and has like a poker face. I'm surprised he wasn't an economist then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that that uh, that was sort of subconscious thing where all these scary things were kind of merged in and, and just kind of spit back out yeah. subconsciously in a really organic paper. kind of manner yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and tell us a little bit more about just I guess the other films that you sort of worked on within the, the ILM because it was a, a service company for a lot of different films yeah um, we would jump around for every it could be like three months to a year on a project depending on how much uh, post work there was yeah. so I worked on um, uh, Spielberg slash Kubrick's AI. AI, yeah. Um, what else did I work on? I worked a little bit on Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just jumped around on a few different things here and there. Yeah, um, cool. Star Trek, I think the first one, Star and, Trek. Indiana Jones as well, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I just did the map for Indiana Jones. <laughs> was, really? <laughs> so I was only on Indiana Jones for for uh, a few weeks, but the, the thing they assigned to me was just creating the iconic... Uh, oh, traveling through the map. <laughs> Take that. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess, you know, I'm assuming you didn't go from, uh, you know, like straight from designing General Grievous to, to working with Daft Punk. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of break down that little bridge a little. And, and how did you kind of evolve from um, being being a, a visual artist at ILM to then going into music videos? 
Yeah, I think I think uh, there was part of me when I was working at as a conceptual artist that felt like I wasn't fulfilling everything that I I love. Yeah. Um, I have a passion, a strong passion for music. I grew up playing piano, um, which I hated at the time, but uh, I, I realized <laughs> it made me appreciate good music and good songwriting. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's what kind of drew me to the Strokes and Julian Casablancas was. I was listening to their guitar solos, and I realized that there was a uh, this almost kind of baroque uh, mm. music theory in, in in some of the songwriting with that that the Strokes were doing, and and Daft Punk has a little bit of that in some of their music too as well. So I think that's kind of made me gravitate to certain artists. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of influences being pulled in from a lot of directions. They're, yeah, they're articulate musicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, <clears throat> The the process for that was, uh, yeah, I, I just realized that, you know, I, I have a passion for acting, comedy, choreography, dance, yeah. you know, and 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 I just felt like I was, I would love to do something that combines it mm. all. And but so, you kind of come into that world almost through the album covers, though. Is that correct? Like using your design skills to then, I guess, yeah, that sort form of relationships me in with, with yeah, yeah, with these people, and then hey, I could direct too. Yeah. Um, actually, the first the first project I did was uh, some album artwork for uh, Aaliyah, the R&B singer, mm-hmm. and um, she. Uh, it was her final album. Um, they her uncle slash manager asked if I could design uh, uh, an alternate cover that was more of an illustrative thing. Mm-hmm. And they liked the illustration, and they asked if um, I knew anybody that could direct a commercial based off the look of that illustration. Yep. And I sort of lied. I said, yeah, I could direct it. <laughs> and then I immediately went to my <laughs> boss to at Lucasfilm. I was like, I just got a directing gig. I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, and so he's like, just calm down. Just It's going to be fine. It's a step-by-step process. You know, We'll get you a producer and... I'll walk you through it. And so that that same guy that hired me is sort of like my big brother mentor yep. that, uh, you know, kind of walked me through a lot of uh, my my growth as a, as a filmmaker. Because it is a really tricky thing coming from a filmmaker or a music video director in your, in your youth. Mm-hmm. Like, because I mean, when I grew up doing this stuff, I had no idea what I was doing with music videos. I just, again, liked music and liked... Yeah. Want, wanted to be a director and you know putting a treatment together for example like we were never yeah. taught that in my film school it was yeah. it was a thing we just kind of had to make up on the fly that's that's where I really feel like the the Lucasfilm background helped me as well because mm. the, this was when they also had a commercial department there where we'd have to do pitches to for commercial bids right and so I knew how to make a really nice presentation yeah like you put together a nice DVD everything has to be we'd, we'd also have presentation boards where everything is cut out perfectly and so I knew that you knew how to professional sell. standard yeah. of stuff. And so basically I had done a few failed attempts, me and my friend in L.A. I moved down to L.A. after mm-hmm. I, I left Lucasfilm. And I had another Lucasfilm friend that uh, was working as a production designer. And we both wanted, we're still young and wanted to do uh, music videos. So we pitched one to Weezer, yep. uh, a whole DVD presentation. We thought it was for sure going to be made, and we never heard back. And then I... I had a connection to Rafael Sadiq, the R&B singer, and um, through a friend, and we came close to to getting a a video made, but it didn't didn't happen. And out. then, um, and then I heard that Stroke song called "You Only Live Once," and this was at the cusp of leaking music when when 
albums would start to leak yep. before the album was out. And so that was me thinking, okay, this is definitely the single. This song is amazing. It speaks to me. If I could come up with an idea better than any other music video director, maybe I could, yeah, that can convince them to, yeah. to do it. So I, I created this whole storyboard DVD thing. I FedExed it and then I just Googled strokes management. <laughs> and then uh, they're under RCA, Googled before. RCA's address. <laughs> I sent it off two copies with a cover letter and then. <clears throat> RCA got back to me first. They said, who are you? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then what is this? And then I said, oh, who's your rep and what's your production company? I'm like, what's a production company? <laughs> what's and, a rep? Yeah. yeah, what's a rep? And I was like, uh, I want to make a video. And um, so they basically said, we're not even legally allowed to open this presentation because I guess if, if they have something that's similar to yes, something, yes, they just yes. can't yeah. take unsolicited ideas Material. from people. Yeah. So... Uh, a little bit, a few days later, I think, uh, I get an email from the Strokes management saying, hey, we love this, we don't know who you are, but we love this thing, and and uh, and I kind of knew that, it was weird, because when I first started seeing all the, the, the visuals that were coming out of the Strokes camp, hmm. it was like really speaking to my sensibilities, my sensibilities. Yeah. and so I, it was funny, when I first met Julian, we, he, the first time we hung out, we were talking about, oh, what's your favorite card? 1979 Dodge Charger. You know, and we were like, <laughs> yeah. oh, me too. You wow, know, it was like, yeah. There were so many, like, similarities in the stuff that we grew up with and liked. So we just kind of hit it off right away. And then, you know, it, it was sort of a chain reaction of um, collaborations after that. Yeah. Um, the Mark Ronson clip, um, Bang Bang Bang, mm -hmm. just it, it's really quite iconic in the sense that it gives a really good idea of your style. I mean, it's so evident you had this, this kind of... Um, retro futurist kind of aesthetic coming through mm -hmm. um when when did that kind of develop i mean obviously star wars was and, and that kind of history was was very much that futurist futurist look yeah, whereas yeah, this yeah. was kind of rewind the clock and, and nodding back to the 80s a little yeah i think um i think it was sort of a sonic thing too like um there was a there's something kind of vintage a little bit about the the sound of the song mm -hmm. and um uh some of the references Mark gave me when he first uh, uh, presented me with the song was like Yellow Magic Orchestra, and and it was just a, a weird uh, mishmash, almost like a mashup type of song where there's like sort of a, a higher BPM electronic part to it, and then there's a old school kind of '70s breakbeat meters yep. thing, and um, and then the the hook is in French. <laughs> um, and so, and then there was that Japanese yellow magic, magic orchestra inspiration. So yep. when I started writing the treatment, the first thing I wrote was, um, it could be the future or the past mm -hmm. and you don't know what, uh, where this is taking place. Like, yeah. you know, where, or when this is taking place. So I think uh, <clears throat> that's where the whole retro futuristic thing, I think, came arrived at for for this particular video was I, I wanted to create this sense of of it's futuristic but it's from the past so you're a little bit confused, confused and yeah. you're also confused with the with the country because like mark <laughs> is speaking japanese and the it asian host is speaking the, french yeah, so yeah. 
So I just wanted to create this, this, this kind of weird sense. And, and, and yeah, I remember the treatment. I just wrote it. I'm like, this is crazy. Send. <laughs> we'll see how like, it goes. Yeah. Like they loved it. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I mean, you've, you've worked with, um, some, some very, very big names in music. Um, and, um, I'm kind of curious from a, um, from just a music video director point of view, like, have you ever encountered a, an issue with a personality? Have you ever encountered a difficult personality along the way that sort of you've had to work around a little? Because um, <clears throat> musicians think, are delicate kind of. You know, yeah, so yeah. No, I think, I think uh, it, was, it was just a, a little bit of a learning curve with uh, the difference between lighting women and lighting men. I think the first time I, I worked with female artists, it was a very kind of eye-opening experience mm. in terms of you know, what's flattering for men and what's flattering for women. Yep. Um, it wasn't too bad, but it was, it was definitely a, a bit of a, a learning curve on set and uh, making sure people feel comfortable. We once uh, had a label um, pay us half the original budget to remove some um, eye sags uh-huh. under, under her eyes one time. <laughs> they, and they're like, oh, where's this money coming from all of a sudden? You know, it's yeah. like, it can be. It's an important <laughs> thing. The interesting thing was, was uh, I, so I had this, this, this point of view where, where you had, you had to light women differently than men. And then the Heim video, mm-hmm. um, Which I gonna broadly later on, by assumed the way. that, you know, I was going to light them how I was lighting some of the other videos I'd worked on. And, mm. and Danielle, the, the, the singer in the band, she, she was like, no, I like, I like the dark moody stuff. And, yeah. and she was right. Like we, 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 we lit them the same way I lit my other videos, like, like some of the guys. And, it looked it looked super cool and that and is one of the highlights of that video we'll be showing later on. It's just so beautifully lit. It's oh, just so it, striking. I really have to thank her for that because like it, <laughs> it, it was more generic looking, and she came in and she was actually coming behind the camera a lot and yep. and adjusting the light on her sisters and stuff. And so wow. I told her she should be a DP. <laughs> <laughs> Quite the eye for it. Um, I read somewhere I don't know where, but the Thread of Joy clip how. Uh-huh you originally had a, a much different idea mm-hmm. going on to set and for whatever reason, um, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong here, but that, that idea completely changed from, from the original pitch to the day you shot. Yeah. Yeah. It was, we had been sort of coming up with ideas for something that they intentionally wanted to be a bit controversial and a little bit political mm-hmm. and pushing some buttons. And then for whatever reason and the chain up, uh, they decided against it. Yeah. And so two days before the shoot, I was casting for that f- video and I get a call and they're like, we're not doing that song anymore. Can we cancel the video? And I was like, cancel the video. No. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, the money's already paid. Yeah. We have a stage book. There's people cast. There's, you know, equipment rented. Yep. And then that's when I talked to Julian and he's like, well didn't you like that other song more than this one anyway? And I said, <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't have an idea for that. I, I yeah. He's like, I, I, I expected to have more time. So I sort of was stressed out. And my producer was like, calm down. He's like, think of the positive side. We've got, we've got equipment rented. We've got a soundstage. We've got a rock band. We're going to make a video, not the video that we intended that you've been planning for months, but yeah. we'll make a video and it'll be great. And I'm like, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And so I, I, <laughs> I, I said, okay. And then finally, I don't know, whatever, maybe it was in my conversation with that producer, we came up with the idea that, oh, the new video is mm-hmm. going to be about the old video getting shut down. Yeah. 
And so it's it's a video so you kind of recycle some of the ideas. You yeah, have yeah. So it was a lot of uh, I, I'm I like to plan carefully as mm. much as possible because I think it's from my drawing background. You like you want the art to come out exactly like you see it in your head. Yeah. But so this was completely on the fly, and and the band was asking, "What what are we doing?" I'm like, <laughs> "I don't know yet." And then so we we show up to set. One of the actresses we f I forgot we forgot to tell her that the video had changed. So she showed up and she was like, "Wait, I'm not the good guy anymore. Like, what's <laughs> what's going on?" I'm like, "Oh, just stand over here." And, and she's like, "What am I doing?" Uh, nah. So I was just basically on making stuff completely on the fly. Uh, and and luckily, I think it came out actually okay because. The, the the thing I actually did like about that song, Thread of Joy, was it had a really kind of irreverent feel to it. He mm -hmm. has this monologue at the beginning that sounds like he's just freestyling random stuff off the top of his head. So yeah. it has a very kind of laid-back, loose feel compared to their... Some of their music sounds really tight and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and aggressive, and this song sounded like almost like a tropical... Uh, tropical caribbean breeze yeah. in a way and so yeah. i think i think the vibe was we were going for was sort of a, a bit of a fellini eight and a half dreamy kind of anything goes and yeah kind of uh yeah and so so the whole thing has this sort of uh really loose feel with the steady cam mm. of of like you're almost like you're floating in a dream yeah um and a little bit of uh there's there's something that I sort of scratched surfaces with that video um, that I want to pursue more later is uh, there's old Disneyland rides where you're actually sitting in a in a cove of a, a, a little thing with the with yep, the safety yep. rest or whatever and going through a maze of like stuff happening. I feel like no one's really done that in a music That's video, true, and we yeah. scratched it a little bit of that in here. But yeah. uh, I really want to do that in a video. There's a lot of kind of tricky sort of transitions in there as well that are take I would think take more playing than two days that you've kind of been allocated but that's what I want to kind of talk about a little bit now is just what's your process for pre-production like what's what kind of makes a Warren Foo clip a Warren Foo clip a lot of it's different for for every single one um obviously the storytelling ones require a lot more uh storyboarding and and pre-planning um, the tough thing about narrative uh, uh, films is that um, if you don't get every shot that you want on yeah. the day of the shoot, uh, the, the video won't make sense. So yep. those are I, those tend to be really stressful. Um, and uh, so I've been trying to sort of shy away a little bit more now from those those mm -hmm. uh, storytelling ones. But um, yeah, I think I think a lot of it is is just kind of listening to the song the song and trying to find the DNA of it. And um, <clears throat> what I often do in terms of the process is I will uh, try to find that one sonic thing that hooks me in. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's the overall song. Sometimes it's uh, the bridge. Like a lot of times, especially in the storytelling ones, uh, the narrative ones, I, I kind of see this intro as you know, the intro and then the chorus is some sort of uh, uh, explosion of, of, of something exciting. And then the bridge is often like this kind of conflict 
yep. area. And then the, the final chorus I often see as a sort of resolution, whether it's positive or negative. Yeah, I always try and see them as like three-act structures as well. Yeah, like just condensed it's, feature films. I wonder if that's like, yeah, something innate in humans. Like, that we story, like that. Yeah, yeah that yeah. we like that. And maybe that's why we like that. Maybe that's why pop music always has that that conflict, that uh, middle middle eighth, I guess what they call it, middle, yeah. or the, the bridge. Yeah. Um, or sometimes it's it's a it's a uh, something in the chorus that that'll hook me in, um, but then usually after that idea, it's like a seed of an idea, and then I'll I'll um, a lot of times it's, it's like oh you got a great idea, but how do you maintain people's attention spans totally. for? Uh, Which with the dawn of the internet is a is a whole nother yeah people of are people are bored really easily, yeah. um, so no matter what like if you got a great idea you got to think of how it's going to carry on for the next four minutes. Yeah. And then, um, so what I would usually do in the next step is I, I, I like to break the song down into structure. Like I'll write, I'll print out You're the sort lyrics. Of here now on the screen, like just the, yeah, the verse, verse two. two. Yeah. So, so in your treatment, you'd kind of like, you'd break it, the song down into those yeah. structures. Yeah. Cause I, because a lot of my videos tend to be, I think sonically really kind of tied to, uh, <clears throat> the visuals are very strongly tied to the sonics in a in a way that's sort of like Fantasia, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I really loved Fantasia when I first saw it. Just the you know, like when you'd watch Fantasia, like a butterfly would be a flute, or like yeah. a, a trombone would be, or a trumpet would be like you know a bigger bigger animal. So uh, there's a little bit of that sort of ingrained in a lot of my my videos, is that the sonics of of things tend to be represented visually. Um, yeah, and so I think that's the main characteristics. Whether it's 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 more of an abstract sort of like like the Heim video is more yeah. a dance video. The Depeche Mode video is more just about feelings of intimacy and sort of sexuality and stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, regardless of whether there's a story or not, they're all kind of tied very mm. closely to the Sonics. Of it. We're going to watch this clip in a little moment, but I, I want to just um, chat through. Um, your approach to derezist mm -hmm. uh, for Daft Punk. Cause I, I, I see that as a sort of, again, a kind of a hybrid of your life at ILM and, and indeed what you sort of moved into. Mm -hmm. um, what was this sort of design process going through that one? That was fun because it was an opportunity to finally have, because it was for the Tron soundtrack. Tron, so, and, and your, your aesthetic kind of fits really well to that world as well. Obviously. Yeah. Especially after bang, bang. Well, that, that's the thing is that's how Daft Punk got in touch with me is they saw that bang, bang, bang video. Oh. And um, I met with them for the first time at their office in L.A. And uh, do they look like Darth Vader under the mask? Yeah, or? no, they're just normal guys. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, one guy's really quiet, and and one guy's really talkative. And the talkative one was just like going off about how how uh, you know we want you to have free reign, and but here, think about this, but have free reign, and and then um, uh, the other one, the quiet one, was eating a sandwich the whole time, and. He finally just stopped and said, the blue glow on the shoes for Mark Ronson, that's why we like you. We knew you were the one. <laughs> <laughs> they were so detail-oriented. Um, it's a really nice blue glow. For the yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's the blue glow. We knew you were our guy. And so okay. that's been, that was 2011, and it's been, you know, six years since I've been working with them. Yeah. So this is a really cool test that we did for Instant Crush of... Uh, Julian, who I introduced to 
Daft Punk. Yeah, so just talk, talk us through that collaboration a little because that was a pretty amazing. Yeah, so like world, I was t- saying earlier, how I saw certain things in the DNA of of these artists that whose work I like and who like my work. Um, I remember that was the first question Julian asked too after I did the Derez video was, "What do they like without their masks?" You know, everybody <laughs> wants to know. And then he was like, uh, "He's like, God, man, one of my favorite songs is the song called Veritas Quo." And uh, not just my favorite of theirs. It's like one of my favorite all-time songs. All time. He's like, it just makes you super emotional. And it's just a loop of this like, kind of Baroque thing. And it just kind of made sense. Like, mm. there's a little bit of this Baroque counterpoint to his his music. And then that particular song has classical music influences. And so stored that in my brain. And then the next time I saw Daft Punk, I said, well, so what do you think of the Strokes? And then they're like, Julian... Casablanca's nobody writes better guitar solos than him. So I'm like, oh, do you guys ever want to do anything together? Yeah. And then, so sure enough, I introduced them. And then I wasn't there when they met, but I think Julian was in New York when they were working on Random Access Memories. And they played him a bunch of demos. And then I saw Julian and then Julian the next time, and he was like, oh, man, thank you for introducing me to Daft Punk. <laughs> There's this song, this demo they played for me called Summer Crush. It was, that was the original name of Instant yep. Crush. And he's like, it's like that Veritas Quo vibe. And he's like, they said I could sing on it and write write the top line melody to it. And he's like, I can't believe they're letting me have that track. It sounds so good. <laughs> and I hadn't heard it. And then they were recording at Electric Lady Studios and kind of finishing it up. And I happened to be in New York at the time. So I stopped by the studio. And sure enough, they played that, that song. And instantly I was like, this is, wow. this is exactly you know, me, this is like, this is like everything I love. It just spoke to me the kind of the way the keyboard tone sounded and the melodies. So it just felt like, okay, I was meant to, that was meant to happen. Like I was supposed to introduce these guys and they're supposed to have that collaboration. So sure enough, when, uh, we, we sort of did a collaborative directing thing with all the random access memories, uh, videos. And then when it came time for instant crush, um, Tomas said, uh, you should just direct this. This on one's your yours. This, this one yeah. definitely should be you. Yeah. So you got to work with like Daft Punk and Olivia Wilde. Yeah. How do you beat that? Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, uh, you know, like Olivia Wilde's coming to set. You're like, could be cool <laughs> when she shows up. And then, of course, like they're like, oh, there's breakfast sandwiches over there. And I'm like, oh, cool. And I get it. Take my, take my first bite and I turn around. They're like, this is Olivia. And I have like cheese <laughs> tripping down my face. Great. It's just, it's just not meant to be. Um, the funny thing is, is um, uh, I went with uh, Mark to an arcade fire, Mark Ronson to an arcade fire show yep. a few years after. And then she happened to be there and uh, he introduced us and she didn't remember me. And I was like, oh yeah, I worked on that, um, the Daft Punk video with that you were in. And then she's like, oh, yeah, how'd that turn out? So I guess she had never bothered Aww. to even check to see how it came Aww. out. <laughs> Heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, that, that Instant Crush video is like, you know, watching it again, it's such a, a beautiful kind of pairing of, of a really strange performance from Julian. Yeah. Um, but then also, like, you know, a really heartfelt sort of story um, between between two two models that I kind of expect to, I, I, as I'm watching it, I expect them to come to life. Yeah, and yeah. When yeah. he's lifting up the dress with the skirt, I kind of expected this model to bust out and, yeah, yeah, and defend yeah. her, but it never happened. But it's it's so masterfully kind of put together in a sense that Julian's um, performance sort of mirrors what's going on in the narrative as well. Like, talk me through the process. Like, how much did you 
enforce his performance and how much was natural? That was all just him just Riffing. free freestyling. I originally because a lot of his videos in the past he he sang with a mic stand, you know, a lot of strokes yep. videos and then I asked him if he wanted a mic stand there, yeah. and he said he didn't. So he, he just kind of wanted to do something different yeah. there. And then I, it was interesting because um, uh, he hadn't, we had, hadn't even shot all the soldier stuff, but he, I think maybe he had seen some of the pictures, so he did that salute the at salute, the end. Yeah. And it, right when that happened, I was like, oh, we're definitely using that. Yeah. Because it, and, it and the same with him so lying well. down the stage as, as they kind of melted into the puddle together. Yeah, that, that was all not was planned. All just, he, hadn't, he hadn't seen any of that stuff. Yeah. And then... Um, so just golden nuggets you found in the edit. Then. Yeah, yeah. And then then the song ending has this sort of almost like never-ending story, fairy tale coming to a close. And so when he sat down at the end and, and started like mm. just uh, rested his arms there, that was an, and the camera was pulling away just perfectly, that's one of those things you don't really plan and yep. like you don't storyboard that. And then, you know, when you're just kind of, the camera's just moving, you're like, don't don't ruin this, don't, yeah, camera, yeah. don't shake, don't turn somewhere else, yep. or don't get up, and, and thank God he like he stayed there as the song was fading out, and that was one of the closing shots. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really loved uh, doing something like that, because I, I have a, a soft spot for like the Twilight Zone, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> the, you know I, I love mannequins and the kind yeah. of creepy side of things but it's a large art direction job as well i mean did you yeah. did you find a, a wax museum to shoot no was everything was crafted that's, yeah that's where all the money went it, it, everything even the museum yeah we found a location um i think it was an old mansion with an atrium yeah. and we had to i had to design all the background paintings for all the little diorama scenes yep so that's where that oil painting comes back <laughs> never again am i doing that <laughs> Like I thought I could just do some small little paintings for each background, but they're like, no, it's 300 dots per inch and 16 feet tall. And so I was like oh painting God. all the, every blade of grass yeah. to make it look nice. And <laughs> I was going to ask you that. I mean, coming from such a strong visual background, um, like how much do you give to the art director and let them run with it? And how much do you art direct yourself? Um, do you even have an art director on your sense? I do, I do. <laughs> um, I'm learning to, to, to trust people more. Mm. It's tough coming from that side of things and, and not wanting to just do it yourself. Because I guess if you get an art director who's less skilled than you are, it's kind of like, well... No, but it's, it's, it's all about perspective, too. Like, sometimes they'll, they'll think of things in a different way. And yeah. it's the same thing with editing. I've been very much a micromanager with editing because... Mm. When I'm shooting, usually when you're shooting a music video, there's such a limited time frame. Yeah. And so I'm editing constantly as we're shooting, like, that's good enough. Okay, I could use that little piece there. Yeah. And so by the time, every time I say I'm going to use an editor, I'm like, once we're done shooting, I'm like, no, I got to get that yeah. drive and put it together as I already see it. But uh, what I'm starting to realize in the times that I have worked with editors, I could still get the stuff that I want, but they'll also bring something that I mm. hadn't seen before. Mm. And I think I just got turned off a few times when I would get the first edit back and it was like completely different. Yeah. But what I learned is you shouldn't get freaked out about that. Like sometimes they're, they're learning the process of what you want too. Yeah. And so it's just being open-minded and, and so, yeah. So with the art direction and with editing and stuff, I'm, I'm learning to kind of uh, just see what, uh, what, uh, what comes my way. And it's the same thing with, um, uh, you know, storyboarding, you could mm. plan all you want, 
but like like in that instant crush video there's just stuff that happens that you don't plan for yeah. that yeah that always turns out better than the stuff that you plan for yeah I can't, I can't remember the director and I can't remember the actor, but um, it was a fresh director and the actor turned it and said to them, like, never give me direction on the first take. Yeah. Like, that's when I want to surprise you and that's when I want to do it my way. And then, and, and then sometimes that director can then kind of be influenced by that. Exactly. You know, and I think it's probably the same for art direction or editing. It's, it's nice to see what they've got in their heads first mm -hmm. before being too heavy-handed with your own direction. So. That's what I love about the audition process is, is, is when you find a really good actor and mm. then... They surprise they, you. Yeah, they yeah. take it somewhere that you hadn't expected, and then that changes your concept. Mm, mm. That's such a great feeling. Yeah, well, on that, um, speaking of great feelings, my personal favorite clip of yours is um, the Brandon Flowers clip. And that one for me is just, it's so joyous and so kind of powerful. And, and you know, some clips are, are all about design, all about art direction. That one is just kind of captures a beautifully candid performance from him. Um, and also the hand stuff and everything. I mean, if I was... From a record label reading on paper, I'd probably walk the other way. I'd be like, this is never going to work. That's so funny that you say that because <laughs> the, I first, he, he flew me out to Vegas to play all, his, all the work in progress of the song. Mm -hmm. And that song stuck out to me. Because he worked with the Killers before. Yeah, I had worked with the Killers before. So yeah. we had a comfortable relationship um, where he felt, you know, he trusted me enough to play me some early songs. And then the, uh, that one really stuck out to me. And I emailed him later. I was like, what was that? gospel Caribbean <laughs> yeah. island gospel song, yeah. that weird one with like the echoey chorus. He's like, oh yeah, it's called Still Want You. And then so when it came time to, to, to make the first video, the manager's like, all right, so we're, we're, we're getting started. I'm like, so it's Still Want You, right? That's the single. And he's like, no, it's it's Can't Deny My Love or something. I was like, oh, I don't like that song. I, I want to do Still <laughs> Want You. And he's like, and finally I was like, I'm not going to do a, a, a video unless it's that that song yeah so i basically <laughs> tricked the record label i i said oh we're gonna shoot a teaser with still want you then just like a, a and then how much is it gonna cost i'm like oh, ten thousand dollars um and they were like ten thousand dollars for a teaser and then i'm like and then finally we got that money approved and i was like well i'll just do the, instead of a teaser i'll just do the entire song for thirty thousand dollars <laughs> and so it was like this back and forth and the whole time the marketing guy head of marketing was so confused like this isn't even a single. What's going on? <laughs> what's like, why are, here? It's like, and I basically <laughs> snuck my way in, and it was like ah, a little bit more money, and then we finally did it, and and uh, you know we got uh, you know it's got just as many hits on on YouTube as as the single, so and quite rightly so. And and the, the I think the, the the best compliment I got from Brandon was after it came out. He's like, it just he's like it just makes you smile, hmm. and he's like, not a lot of people are doing that now. Yeah. Um, and so like this particular frame here was. Uh, again, it's it's that kind of subconscious uh, emotional search um, for some kind of visual to the to the song. And and when I heard the chorus, I don't know what it is in my subconscious that I kept thinking about hands, mm. but it almost felt like um, like the, the the chorus is like time is passing by and and all these kinds of like. Uh, kind of universal things and then I, it just kind of felt like sign language or something. I don't know what Being it is. universal kind of. But yeah, yeah, but something about it felt uh, like hands and I kept describing that to people <laughs> and it's in the treatment. This this picture's in the treatment and I was like, I don't get it. Like what, what is with the hands? And like, I'm like, it's like hand dancing. And they're like, what's hand dancing? <laughs> and then finally that girl, Adisa, the the girl with the big hair, yep. she, I've, I've cast her a few times in a few videos and she's just, she got this natural charisma and, mm. and luckily 
I explained it to her and she got it. And then they tried, they, they were secretly practicing the two, her and the other girl were practicing the hand stuff. Yeah. I was like, just come up with something that's like sign language, but like, you know, like, you know, like, like stuff like this. Yeah. And then they came up with it and Brandon had no idea what they were going to do. And we started rolling and then they started doing that and doing the, like the, all the, the, yeah, you know, the, the symbols, and he just started smiling. smiling. Yeah, and that was an unexpected thing. So all those moments that he's he's like laughing in <laughs> yeah. there are unexpected. Huh. And uh, one of their longtime art directors emailed me after it came out, and he's like, "How how did you get that out of Brandon? He's usually so like serious in all his <laughs> videos. He's like, it's like a completely different person." Oh, yeah. So it's just that's that element of surprise. Yeah. I think, yeah. like you were saying with like actors. Totally. Um, yeah. uh, it, if if we had told him or shown him that hand stuff, it wouldn't have been the same as yeah. them just doing that stuff yeah. in front of his face. Yeah. I know there are a few music video directors in the audience tonight. If you could give one gold nugget of advice, having 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 gone through what you have gone through and worked with the, the talent you have, what would that be? Advice. The um, gold nugget of advice. You know, not just any old. <laughs> I think I think it really is about. Um, being passionate about that particular song. Mm. I think there's, there've been times I've been a little lukewarm on, on a song and, and it, uh, it shows. Yep. So I think, I think you could tell on the ones that, uh, the songs that I really like, you could tell a lot of care went into it because you have to listen to these songs yeah. a million times while you're writing. Them. And then also during the editing phase, just looping over and over again, a certain nugget. And, uh, yeah, it's funny because um, there's some. There was a nice collective of uh, music video directors. Uh, we had a, all. We had a post facility in in L.A. that Hiro Mirai and yep. Bill Elderkin. We all worked out of this post house and slept there and pulled all nighters <laughs> there. And I remember there's a time that Nabil was working on a song and Hiro was working on a B.O.B. song and. I was working it, and you just kept hearing loops of yeah, like the yeah. same chunks. I wanted to <laughs> shoot myself after that month, and yeah. every time I hear those songs, any of those three songs on the radio now, I I cringe. <laughs> <laughs> so I just like to um to thank Warren for being here and giving up some of his time. You have been listening to an Acme podcast. For more recordings, go to SoundCloud.com/slash/AcmeOnline or the Acme website.